The Antler Archives, brought to you by Cliff Creek Coffee, built for the trail. White Rock Performance Gear, built tough, priced right, ready when you are. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Antler Archives. We're sitting here with Dylan today. Uh, Craig's going to do, myself, Craig, I'm talking in the third person already. Um, we're going to do a review on Dylan, find out who he is, why he's here, and how he came to be the Elk Whisperer. So Dylan, Dylan, who are you? Where are you? Uh, how did you get into hunting and, and what are you doing right now? Well, as Craig said, my name's Dylan. I was born and raised in a small town in uh, Northern Alberta. And I was born into hunting. My grandpa hunted his whole life, brought my dad into it at a young age. And yeah, it just kind of followed through there. Started out as a moose hunter. That's what my dad and my grandpa loved to hunt. Lots of memories going out moose hunting, running into big grizzlies. Moose and grizzlies kind of go hand in hand. And then uh, as I got older, I got more into elk hunting. And I've been, oh, I shot my first animal when I was 14. So it's what was that? My first animal was actually. A moose. Okay. Big moose, small moose. Ah, just average size, average size bull. An That's average size, an average size Alberta bull, or an average size Saskatchewan bull. Alberta bull. There <laughs> <laughs> was nothing. It was nothing. So you're, crazy. you're, you're big into elk hunting now. What is, um, you you dabble a little bit in a couple different companies. Um, one of them being an elk elk driven company what is that and how did it come to be and how did you get involved so i work with travis o'shea with wapiti river outdoors i was doing an instagram and facebook page before with a buddy and travis actually reached out to us he's seen a couple pictures that we were posting to do with getting ready for elk season and he must have liked what he's seen so he actually reached out to us and I was living, oh, 20 minutes away from him at the time. And I met up with him the one day just to grab a couple elk reeds for the upcoming season. And we ended up sitting there talking in a Wendy's parking lot for probably two hours. And I had to go because I woke up early from night shift to go meet Travis to get these reeds. And I had to go because I had to get to work. But... Uh, yeah, so then after that, we kind of went our ways and just kept in contact. And that year is actually the year I shot my first elk. And that's a totally other story on its own part. <laughs> but uh, he was super proud and super happy for me. So we just kind of kept in contact and just built a relationship. And then last year, Travis asked me if I would like to start building calls for him and help him with seminars. And then due to COVID, we couldn't really do any seminars or anything. So we just hammered out reads. And yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much how that started. And now we're planning for our 2022 seminar season. Hopefully everything works out and we can do that. Yeah, hope, hopefully everything works out. We just found out today they're uh, 
pushing our kids to stay home for another week due to COVID. So it's, it's an, I'll, I'll be interested to see what comes up for 2022's hunting season for, for, for public eye stuff, especially in, in Alberta. I can't speak for the rest of the country or anything in the States, but so Wapiti River kind of evolved out of a Wendy's parking lot. Now you're heavily involved with him. Um, you mentioned the other day that you may or may not have some elk plants coming up here in the next few months. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we got invited on an elk hunt down in uh, Colorado. So we'll have to we have to see more specifics on everything and see where that goes. But uh, I got my fingers crossed. Hopefully, I, hopefully everything works out. That'll be a fun hunt for sure. That's a definitely a dream hunt for myself. And and what is that one? You I I know you've talked to me about it and in the last couple of days, but what are you looking at? Is it going to be a, a guided hunt, a DIY hunt, a backpack hunt, fly in? What are you looking for? It's a DIY backpack style hunt. We'll have a base camp and then uh, we'll just be backpacking out from there, from our camp every day, from what I, what I understand. So pretty, pretty nice, not guided or anything. We want to want to stay DIY just because that's more our style, right? We work mm -hmm. together. We call in lots of elk. We enjoy calling elk. That's uh, that's kind of where the addiction comes in. We both have to kind of not fight each other, but we both have fun poking at each, poking at each other, trying to trying to be the caller. So. So you, you might have mentioned that you may or may not be going with somebody else. Yeah, we got to keep that on the down low for right now, though. Okay, That'll like be, once, once, we, uh, once we get all the information and the specifics down, then uh, we'll be open on everything and let everybody know the exciting times to come. Okay, well, once once you give me the go ahead, I'll ask you the same question again. We'll go from there. All right. What um, what kind of hunt is it going to be, Dylan? Is it going to be a, a rifle hunt, bow hunt, bit of bow? bow hunt? Bow hunt? Yeah, it'll be a bow hunt. Okay, so that leads me into my next question about Dylan. Is Dylan more of a rifle hunter or a bow hunter? Oh man, I <laughs> the last two years. I've been really dedicating myself to bow only. But both years it got down to, I needed the meat, my freezer was empty. So then I, I grabbed the rifle halfway through November. Yeah. But growing up, I was always rifle. I started bow hunting when I was 15 years old. I went out and bought a bow and around town here, we could actually shoot either sex elk in bow season. So I, we'd always get me and a couple buddies that hop on a quad and kind of just go up on the mountain and chase elk around. And we were never successful. We had some close calls, but I'm still chasing my first elk with a bow. And uh, yeah, I, it's that's a tough answer. I definitely say I enjoy bow hunting a lot more now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and you're 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 not just an elk hunter, right? You're you're into deer, you're into bear, 
and your deer season didn't go quite the way you wanted it to go where you took a deer with a bow but you did put in the legwork and you did put in the time how has your bow season been with deer it has been besides not shooting something with a bow it has been amazing i uh i had some close calls i could have shot a couple smaller bucks could have shot a couple does but i'm i was in a specific area I wanted to keep tied down for specific bucks. Mm-hmm. So with doing all the, like you said, leg work and everything, got lots of help from you and a couple other buddies on what to do for scrapes, trying to find pinpoints and everything. Cause I always enjoyed whitetail hunting, but I never got into it in a bow hunter's perspective until this year. And it was a lot of fun. It's definitely something I'm hooked on now. I see why you love whitetail so much after this year. Yeah, it's a problem. It so is. with your talking about deer, um, I, I think if I remember correctly, up until the end of September, you had never done any mock scrapes or scent drags or anything like that. How did that play into your your overall season, not only just the season, but the experience of the season going forward. It was unbelievable. I didn't know the deer, the deer. Well, let me reword that. I didn't know the quantity of the deer were in there and the quality. In one area, I knew there was decent bucks. I didn't know there was as many as there were because it's a heavily hunted area. And I didn't know there was as many big bucks as there was in there. And the other area was brand new. I haven't hunted it since I was a kid. I knew there was some good deer in there when I was a kid. But other than that, that's it. So I pretty much picked a spot on the map and I'm like, okay, let's go check this out. I went for an afternoon, hiked all over. And I think I FaceTimed you a couple times. I called you a couple times and just kind of going through areas and we found a really good spot set up a mock scrape and I think it was about a week and I had the first buck hit it and then after that it's like the floodgates open and started finding more scrapes and more scrapes sent out more cameras moving my cell camera around because we all know how exciting that can be <laughs> and then uh, after moving cameras around and playing around I finally found a solid scrape line and to what I believe a community scrape, and it was unreal the amount of deer I got on that scrape alone. And it, it's not just something that you were only getting deer on during season. You still are, yeah. and you're still sending me pictures. So it's quite interesting to see uh, somebody like like yourself who who literally just you circled the spot on the map and you're like, what do you think about this? And it was kind of a lot, you could do this, you could do that, but try over here. And now you're looking at 20, 30 different bucks on one camera. And they're not all small deer. Like for your area, I'd say a 150, 160 is probably on the higher end. Yeah. And there's got to be five. Yeah. In bucks my, in, in that. So in my area, because of the vast <clears throat> brown land and bush 
150, 160. If you can shoot a 150, 160 every year, you are, I want to say, an elite hunter in this area. There's guys that get 150s, 160s every other year, and that is, they know what they're doing. <laughs> they definitely know what they're doing. I've talked to them a few times, and uh, yeah, their whitetail experience, mine is light or night and day. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's unreal. If you can shoot a solid 140 deer around here every year, you're doing good. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I aim for around here. I everybody wants a big buck. I got a 167. It's a good buck. I don't I want to beat it. Everybody wants to beat their biggest buck. Everybody wants to hit that 200 inch mark. It's a dream. But if I can get a 140, 150 inch deer every year, I'll be completely happy. And so just even with even with all the work that you did put in this year where did you end up shooting your deer <laughs> oh man so we ended up having an unexpected trip up to my in-laws and a landowner that i know i gave him a call and he's like hey, he told gave me to go ahead to go on his land i walked in the next morning and i texted you the scrapes i'd seen walking in and you're like, man, it's going to happen this morning. I was like, yeah, just trying to brush it off. She's like, yeah, we'll see what happens. And it was two minutes after daylight. I was still trying to find where I was going to sit. And I look up and a buck's cruise in the field. And I shot and him. How, how far away were you from your, your actual hunting area that you spent, what, 100 hours in prepping? A long ways it was it's a four and a half hour drive yeah <laughs> so yeah. it it wasn't expected i didn't plan on hunting up there at all or else i would have done more work up there but i don't regret it it was a it was so much fun and even when i got home after being up there i still went and checked my cameras out here all the time and yeah. It's just, it's so much fun. I, I enjoy shooting animals. Don't get me wrong. Every hunter does. If they'd say they don't, they're lying. Yeah, for sure. But I really, really enjoy uh, tracking them, like setting up cameras, seeing what's in there. If I can get a 160 inch deer on camera consistently, I count that as a win. Yeah. I, I love running trail cameras calling in elk I, I called in a giant five by five this year to bow range no i couldn't shoot them where i was hunting them but i chalked that up as a win i beat that yeah. elk i could have killed that elk if i wanted to for sure so how did how did the rest of your your season go actually so all all this bow talk that we've been talking about you spent all this time trying to target a deer in a certain area you didn't shoot a deer in a certain area you tried for two months to get a deer with your bow and you ended up shooting the deer you wanted four hours away with your rifle. Yeah. So how did the rest of your season go? I know you're after moose. I know you're after elk. It was comparing this season to last season. 
because they were two very, very similar seasons. This season was amazing. I had so much fun. It started off with chasing out up with Travis all the way from opening day in August 25th. I was inches away from shooting a six by five bull out with my bow solo opening morning. Right. Second day of season, call in a three by one. And where we were up there is a three point zone. I, Travis called that three by one and brought him by me at 10 yards. I have pictures where you can see the definition of its shoulder blades and everything. It's perfect for seminar photos to show shot plays. Yeah. And I couldn't shoot him. I don't know why. I just, it, I couldn't shoot that young of a bull. Yeah. So I let him go. And I could probably count on one hand how many days Travis and I went out where we weren't on out. But it was just, and that's from August 25th all the way to September 23rd was my last day hunting with Travis. That's when I had to come home to switch to moose with Brian. Right. And we had so many chances. I came to full draw a few times and it's just the winded switch at that last second or trying new areas. You don't know where all their trails go. You don't know what they're going to do when they come in. It's a totally different challenge. And yeah. you set up and you think they're going to walk in and present you with a 10 yard frontal because we're hunting thick bush. Yeah. And they turn. And they go through thick bush and pop out 50 yards beside you where you weren't expecting. If you knew that, you could set up in the middle for two broadside shots. But you obviously don't know that. You could go judge off where the bull's bugling from, where you see the trail where it looks like he's coming from. And he just – there was another curveball. Yeah. It's, uh, are, are you – are your elk hunts, are they uh... – um, are they backpack or are they quad in or are they camp or what are you doing? So I like to do a mix of everything this year. It was mainly, we would, Travis has a lot where he has a trailer set up. So we would stay at his holiday trailer and we would drive into drive to our location, then either quad in to where we are hunting or we would hike right from the truck. Okay. It all depended on what on what area we were going into and what the elk were doing the night before. Yeah. So my first bull I got, that was a backpack hunt. My second bull I got, that was out of the truck. Well, not out of the truck, but park the truck, hike into an area, and then backpack them out. I do yeah. a lot of a lot of everything. It all depends where the elk are bugling. I chase the bugle. <laughs> we yeah. try to, we try to plan a couple backpack hunts every year. They're a lot of fun, but it's hard. It's hard to line up schedules. On an elk, you need you can do it with two guys. We done it a few times with two guys, but it's a lot of work. Depending how far back you go, you're like the one area we go. It's a two day pack out with four guys. 
And that's that's not where we're talking about going, is it? <laughs> that's one of the areas, yeah. I might I be a, I might be sick that weekend. I got another area. I got another area that uh, I know there's big bulls, and I called in a big bull for a buddy, and he just couldn't get a shot two years ago. And yeah. I'm gonna scout it lots this year because the hunting pressure back there is almost non-existent. So, hmm. like Paul Medell says, we're going to get into those dumb elk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like dumb elk. They're the fun ones to play with because they just come in every time. Especially when you, when you understand what to say and when to say it, it is a complete game changer. I think that's going to be that'll be a good topic for for days to come here talking yeah. about elk uh, elk. What is it? Tactics, communication, ta- tactics. Maybe we'll we'll, be, we'll call that. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. But that could be five yeah. different episodes tied tied together. <laughs> <laughs> or no more. kidding. No kidding. Yeah. So you. Uh, you went after whitetail. You went after elk. How about your moose? Well, moose this year. And uh, we'll have Brian on for an episode, and we'll go through the, his whole moose journey. But just my perspective of it, I elected not to draw my moose tag this year where we hunt so that Brian could have his first moose hunt solely himself. We're only focusing after one tag. That's it. So we put in a lot of scouting hours, finding areas and areas we used to hunt just were not holding moose like they were in the past year. So we started expanding more and we came up with a plan A, B, C, and D. And the first day we went out, Granted, somebody must have been in there late archery season and shot a bull down in the meadow and a grizzly had it buried. So there's plan A gone. <laughs> plan B, we go into an area. We can hear some hear a bull going. Could not get him to step out. Ran out of daylight. So we're kind of wondering what to do after that because we put a lot of work in that area that day and did not see much sign at all we had we called in a bull yes he was close we couldn't see him but we called in a bull so then we had another area we wanted to check out so it was a tough we sat up oh probably till midnight that night trying to decide where we were going to go and we never even decided where we were going to go that night. We woke up in the morning and it came down to, well, we don't think many people go back here because it takes an hour and a half to quad into it. We had to leave the house at four in the morning just to be able to quad in in legal, legal time before daylight. So we go back there. We uh, hike all morning. Lots and lots of signs go we're going up at lunch to go to a spot to glass for lunch ended up seeing a bull so then brian 
got his first pull. And uh, that was an amazing feeling just for myself too, knowing how hard he worked for that for that animal. And it wasn't a small one either. No, it wasn't. He told me he was going to shoot any bull he want he seen the first bull he seen because the prior the prior tag he had we were seeing very large elk or moose on camera and he passed up a little just a little four corn opening morning rifle and that was the last moose he actually seen wow so this year going into it he said he's like i'm shooting the first bull i see whether it's Six inches wide or 60 inches wide? He didn't care. Yeah. I wanted him to hold out for a bit bigger one, but it's not my tag. I was just kind of hoping the first one we've seen was bigger. So we got lucky. We've seen a big bull. (laughs) And, uh, And then, yeah, we went from there and then my grandpa had a tag this year as well so while brian and i were out my dad was up and him and my grandpa were going out and they were seeing lots of sign but uh they just couldn't they couldn't get on them the the wolves were thick in there and the moose just weren't being that vocal at all so they fought hard to try and fight through the wolves and the moose just weren't being vocal and they ended up seeing one from a ways away but couldn't get close enough to shoot it so yeah and then uh october comes around and that's when i started setting out trail cameras for whitetail and then it snowed and my grandpa went out on the side by side the one day because he's 76 years old so he has a he actually has a permit where he can drive his side by side all day and hunt. So he went out the one the one morning and I told him, I said, just go for a scouting mission more or less, see where they're traveling. If you see one, shoot one, yeah, but call me. Drive out of there and call me so I can come help. So I get back that evening and he's like, yeah, I've seen a bunch of tracks down here and everything. So I'm like, okay, let's go the next morning. So with his permit, I'm allowed to go with him and the side by side so we can have somebody there. I put my gun in the back boot on the back rack of the side by side. It's not even accessible for me. Just I'm allowed to have it beside me, like in a vehicle unloaded, but I just put it back there just to peace of mind more or less. And we get driving down and we get into the cut blocks and I see this absolute giant bull down in the bottom but I'd say a kilometer and a half two kilometers away and I could see the naked eye that far and I'm like holy crap that's a huge bull so then I look down through the binos and it's my dream bull big shovels nice thick pans nice pines all the way around like it had everything with so long story short we couldn't get into range for a shot Drove around all day that day, did a little bit of hiking, but with my grandpa being 76 years old, you can only do so much, right? Yeah, that's so, like hiking with me. Yeah, exactly. I'll experience that next <laughs> year, right? 
I'm used to it though now. You got to remember, I, I got my grandpa I hunt with, so I'm used to that. Good. <laughs> but yeah, so then next day we go back to the same area, and I told him, I said, we're going to go back to that same area. We're going to get there for first light. We're just going to glass. They're feeding down in the bottom of that block. That's just glass. So we're sitting there glassing, glassing, glassing. And I hear raking. I look over and I'm like, oh, my grandpa must be doing something. I look over and, oh, he's just sitting on a stump glassing. So I look at him. I said, let's grab our guns because we were just right beside the side by side. I'm like, let's grab our guns. There's a bull down here. He's like, what do you mean there's a bull down there? I'm like, I can hear it raking. So we go and we get up to where the block drops off. There's this bull standing in the bottom. It's not that big one we've seen the night before or the morning before, sorry, but it's a big bull. So I range him 327 yards. My grandpa waits for him to turn broadside, shoots him, and you could see the bull. He just took it, and I could see where he hit, and it was perfect. So then he shoots again, and the bull drops. And I couldn't believe it. 327 yards with a 270 wind mag and a 140 grain bullet. So that Crazy. just goes, and that, that just goes you'll, to show. You'll, you'll have to post up a video or a or a, a photo clip of that bull because that bull's a tank. Yeah, I will. I'll post a picture of that bull for sure. I'll <laughs> post a picture of both bulls because they're yeah. both they're shot. I'd say five kilometers apart. And they're both big bulls. Yeah, Brian's bull's a big one too. Yeah. But yeah, that like that just goes to show shot placement. Yeah. So what in uh on a on a bow side of things, what's your bow setup right now? So I'm shooting the Matthews B327. Got a 28 and a half inch draw. I got a quivalizer on it with a black gold ascent verdict five pin slider sight. I shoot the arachnid sicarius arrows and a 300 spine and a black widow px2 125 grade. And uh, that's that's my setup. If if you guys can't hear me shaking my head, it's because he's shooting a Matthews and not a Hoyt. But we're not going to pick on that too much right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, since since you do a little bit of rifle hunting too, Dylan, what's your rifle setup like? So my my rifle is a Seiko A7 270 short mag with a burst three to nine by fifty scope. Sweet. Yeah, it's a perfect all-around gun. So what's your, uh, we'll talk about it more as time goes on, but uh, initially, what's the rest of your your winter, early spring plans coming up? So winter, I'm going to be working a lot here this upcoming January. And, uh, but I'm kind of testing and using our new winter blend for monster attraction so what, what what is monster since uh i'm the only one between you me and the and the wall who knows what it is <laughs> so monster attraction 
there was a couple buddies and myself got together and we figured, you know what? We run cameras all the time. We've been playing around with our own mixture of minerals. Why not try selling this stuff? So we pretty much had our mineral mixture dialed in and it was working really, really good. So came up with a name and we put her to market this year, just kind of selling out of Redline Powercraft in Grand Prairie as of right now and Primetime Sports. And we came out with a new winter blend this year. So we have our mineral for spring and summer and then our winter blend for winter and it'll work in fall as well if the regulations in your area are allowing of it. I like it. So that's that's our monster attraction. We'll go more into so that, that uh, later on in a, another episode. That in a nutshell is Dylan. What else uh what else you want to throw out here is kind of a closer for for episode number two. And what do we got for episode number three? Episode number three. So kind of looking at our schedule here. Episode number three. At the end of January, we are bringing in Stephen Drake. Hopefully. Hopefully, Stephen Drake. Craig was doing a lot of work to try and get Steven in. He knows Steven fairly decent, so he knows more about him than I do, but I have been trying to do my research here. We got a couple more buddies on the go as well that are coming in for episodes, and we're just kind of going to get it started out with a few buddies and try and get some bigger names. We got some pretty good, a pretty good lineup so far. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens here and hopefully uh, episode three goes as good as episode two and so on and so forth. And uh, until then, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks again for listening to the Antler Archives, brought to you by Cliff Creek Coffee, White Rock Performance Gear, Wapiti River Outdoors, and Monster Attraction Minerals.